Welcome back, everyone, to another episode here on the 5571. My name is Danny, and we're going to go ahead and start off this episode in a different format. Um, Normally, we go right into the 5571 news segment after our introduction and then head into our Main Street topic for the week. But I wanted to sort of break things up because I felt like that limits me a lot to sometimes formatting an episode that maybe I don't have the content for as far as a Main Street topic, when sometimes I'd rather talk a lot more about the news. And from the feedback that I'm getting, a lot of people really want the news or they want questions answered for different Q&As they have. And that seems to fit more just with whatever goes that particular week, right? There might be a lot of things happening at Disneyland Resort um, and not really anything to have as a Main Street topic, whereas sometimes Disney may drop a huge bombshell uh, with some sort of ride announcement or some big other, you know, you know, potential future project that can become its own Main Street topic. And for those particular episodes, we will kind of divert to that. So uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get right into the news here uh, for Disneyland Resort. Starting off first with Disney Parks, actually today at the time of recording this podcast, dropped some news that they were going to be sharing with us some plans for the holidays, starting with their halfway to holidays posts on three different days this week, starting today, when you're listening to this podcast, I guess, uh, Tuesday, June 13th, they're going to be dropping some news and information about how Disneyland Resort in California is going to be celebrating the holidays versus June 14th, the next day, when they talk about Disney Cruise Line. And then of course, on June 15th, Um, when they talk about Walt Disney World's plans for the holidays. All these days are exactly halfway to the holiday season for the 2023 holiday season. So we're going to be finding out stuff together. Obviously, it's going to be happening after I record this podcast episode. So we'll talk about that on next week's episode. But if you want to follow all of that, go to Disney Parks blog, follow Disney Parks on their social media to find out all of that information as it drops. Um, And on the day that you're listening to this, you'll probably already have seen it for at least Disneyland Resort. Next, I wanted to head over to Disney California Adventure Park to talk about some updates over there at the Pacific Wharf as it continues its transformation into the San Francisco Square area themed to Big Hero 6. Now, we saw a lot of changes happening really fast over here. Of course, we all know the bridge was painted. They prepared it for those big giant archways uh, that still haven't yet been installed. However, there's a lot of scaffolding going up around the current Pacific Wharf Cafe, aka home to Bodine sourdough bread. Um, They've actually removed a lot of the exterior signage for the restaurant and put up temporary banners and tarps that look just like the signage um, from the theme parks that were there before. They also removed signage too from the Lucky Fortune Cookery, uh, probably as they continue to prepare Uh, paint and redo some of these buildings with some new Big Hero 6 designs. Now, we know the Lucky Fortune Cookery is sticking around because we saw that advertisement on the other side of the buildings in Pacific Wharf uh, that were newly, freshly painted alongside the other new area, uh, the Cerveceria for the Port of San Francisco. So we know it's sticking around, but for now the sign has been removed. Not sure if maybe they're redoing the sign, adding some, you know, Big Hero 6 plus ups to it, or maybe it just needs a good cleaning and a fresh coat of paint since they're going to be having like a brand new land, if that makes sense. So, um, but the Pacific Wharf Cafe, from what we know, is changing its name to the Lucky Cat Cafe. Now, fingers crossed, it still keeps its Bodine sponsorship and is still having that 
amazing, so super tasty sourdough bread that we all know and love, as well as the bakery tour. But for now, um, we just don't know. We have to wait until Disney shares some more information. Now, when I was there over the weekend, I did have an opportunity to walk through it all. The bakery tour is still open, even though the whole building is sort of surrounded by scaffolding and construction. And when you're inside the bakery tour, you actually cannot see outside the building. They've covered up all the windows with sort of like a black tarp. So you can't see out, but you can still walk through the bakery tour. They were still offering the fresh sourdough bread. And the restaurant itself was still open as Pacific Wharf Cafe for mobile ordering and regular ordering. Um, They did remove signage, like I mentioned, and put up tarps. um, But it was all open um, and, you know, operating just like normal. The A lot more construction, too, was happening over at the Cerveceria. Uh, they're really working fast on this location. But another big change since the last time we talked, the Pacific Wharf Distribution Company, a.k.a. the Pacific Wharf Beer Truck that a lot of people really know and loved over there serving that Carl Strauss beer, that has gone away and construction walls have gone up around that area. Now, if you have watched the channel before, my channel on YouTube, Just Ask Danny, or seen Disney's announcements on it, you already know that this specific space is going to be the Baymax and other Big Hero 6 character meet and greet location. And obviously, beer is going to be moving to the Cerveceria, which is attached to the Cocina Cucamonga restaurant. So all those changes were already taking place. Some other things we saw unveiled, there's some new artwork on the restrooms there located just adjacent to the Lucky Fortune Cook And then, of course, as you zoom out of the land and step outside of the land and basically find yourself on the parade corridor just in front of the Sonoma Terrace, looking back into the Pacific Wharf uh, or now San Francisco area, you can see all the exterior paintwork that's facing that direction completely done with all the advertisements of all the different places inside San Francisco. You have like the travel agency um, you know, advertisements for the San Francisco Institute of Technology, uh, all those different things that really tie it back into the movie. And they did a really good job with all these advertisements on the side of the building, giving him that weathered look, really looking like they're, you know, facing that wharf area, that port where they've just been weathered by the ocean, like they've always been a part of this area. It's where the Imagineers are really like succeeding with placemaking these spaces to make it seem like it was always there. I was totally for this change over at Disney California Adventure Park. The Pacific Wharf area really has gone through a little bit of an identity crisis as DCA changed from DCA 1.0 to DCA 2.0. There wasn't really too much of a San Francisco theme left that didn't mix into like Cars Land and... Um, you know, Avengers Campus and other things that kind of got pushed into there. Now, it had an overall San Francisco theme, of course, with the wharf, the Ghirardelli Chocolate Square, you know, location, and the Pacific Wharf Cafe featuring Bodine sourdough bread, which, of course, is from San Francisco. So there was still a little bit of a theme there for San Francisco, but most of it kind of went the wayside with DCA 1.0 into 2.0 transition. So bringing a cohesive theme to this space to bring it all together and make it more, you know, closely flow into Cars Land and the other Pixar properties um, and other Disney properties, excuse me, uh, that are in the area really, uh, I feel, give DCA a little bit more of a cohesive theme 
uh, we sort of lost the theme. You know, we, we started off strong in DCA 2.0 with like a 1920s California, old California theme. And then we opened Pixar Pier and kind of just like broke the theme everywhere, added, you know, added Avengers Campus. And there really kind of wasn't a, a commonality amongst all the things we were seeing at Disney California Adventure Park. So I feel like just bringing more intellectual property, things like this, and using them to sort of vaguely uh, theme back to California is really kind of the theme we're seeing at Disney California Adventure Park. We have, you know, Avengers Campus, which um, still pays homage to the space that was there. In a way, when you look at that old map that kind of points back to the Stark Vineyards and, of course, the Golden Vine Winery and everything still exists um, inside the park. And then, of course, Route 66, a part of California, Cars Land, etc. So it's like Disney's version of like vague California theming is <laughs> sort of like what Disney California Adventure Park is. But I like the Pacific Wharf area sort of being brought back into a cohesive theme with Big Hero 6. And I'm all for it. I'm all for the special food items they're going to bring the special drink items they're going to have, the character meet and greets, and just really cool overall theming in the space. I feel like it's going to be a really good place to hang out. Pacific Wharf already really was kind of like one of the go-to spots to dine in Disney California Adventure. So I'm really hoping it transforms into more and just continues that as well as having a really cool night vibe because it really looked like that from the pictures and artwork that we saw. Next up, I wanted to head on over to Disneyland Park and talk about some changes and updates there. Starting off first, of course, with the closures. We've been discussing a lot here and on the YouTube channel, and those are the closures of the three attractions in Fantasyland. Uh, for Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, and Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Now, I also had an opportunity to go check these out when I was there over the weekend. Um, and the construction that they've done around it looks pretty intense for the short amount of time that it's closing. Uh, they've erected full scaffolding that completely covers the building on the Peter Pan and Mr. Toad's Wild Ride side. Um, and then on the Alice in Wonderland side, we saw some scaffolding kind of pop up just around the track on the outside and then some of the building um, on the bathroom side of Alice in Wonderland. Uh, so I'm not quite sure, again, what's going actually to happen here. Um, it sounds like it's a little bit of an infrastructure upgrade or repair, building repair, maintenance, etc., um, but at the time of this recording, Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan, or not, excuse me, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. So Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and Alice in Wonderland, they're going to be opening up in just a, a few short days. Um, June 16th will be when those attractions reopen. Uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride isn't back on the refurbishment schedule again after its closure and reopening. But Alice in Wonderland is scheduled to go back down again just after the 4th of July weekend on July 5th uh, for the rest of July, basically, until the end of the month. Uh, Peter Pan, as we know from before when we were talking about it on this podcast, is going to remain closed for the entire month of June, reopening at the end of June after June 30th. So, um, it and those buildings, like I mentioned, were completely covered in scaffolding. So, not quite sure what's going on, um, but we'll have to wait and see once the other two attractions opening. It's probably just going to be a, a maintenance kind of, maybe there's a building repair, maybe they're painting. You know, it just seems like a weird time to do it, I guess, in the middle of June. But it's the time they were allotted. Maybe that was due to all the rain we had during the winter season. They just couldn't do these changes um, at those times. And they had to wait for a more drier season. Uh, and we're in that time now, right? So they're able to do it. However, um, 
I wanted to make sure everyone was aware of that because the last time we had talked about it, uh, we hadn't had those full changes yet for Alice in Wonderland, knowing when it was going to come back from the second closure. We just knew that it was happening um, on July 5th. So next in Disneyland Park, I wanted to also talk about uh, Mickey's Toontown. Now, we actually got word of some changes happening there because we have been seeing changes happening ever since Toontown opened with some walls being erected around the Centennial Park that featured the big dreamer's tree um, and all the roots and things that kids can climb on there as soon as you walk into Toontown on the left-hand side. Uh, We were kind of wondering, why are walls up around this park already? Some people were speculating they were going to remove the tree. Um, They were speculating they were going to take the roots out because maybe people were hurting themselves. But the reality is, um, we all know that Mickey's Toontown was sort of plagued by a lot of rain and weather delays. We've had the wettest winter season we've ever had for Southern California in a really long time. Um, And it really delayed, as you know, the construction, you know, it delayed the opening of Mickey's Toontown. And so it seems like all the spaces that were newly constructed by ripping out old fountains and old park locations and putting in new ground and then, of course, the um, new trees really changed the landscape after, you know, it was able to dry out, settle from the rain. And so, you know, the trees started to settle, you know, they're heavy in and of themselves. They're settling into the ground as things begin to dry out, you know, water shifts in the ground and all that kind of stuff. So trees were beginning to settle, which would cause the ground level to settle a little bit around the tree. And it was causing some, um, you know, potential safety hazards for guests that might trip on an uneven level of surface when they're walking and not really sort of expecting, you know, the ground to be at a different level in that particular space. So we saw at first before the walls walked up or were put up that there were benches put around the tree in the Centennial Park to sort of block people from getting to the tree. And we thought maybe that was just what they were going to do moving forward to add benches to the park. Um, But that was actually strategic to prevent people from walking near the tree where the affected areas were. So we saw walls go up, the ground removed around the Big Dreamers tree, and they actually leveled the ground around the tree and put back in some of that spongy turf um, and opened the park again. And we now, as of this last weekend when I was just there, saw walls pop up again around another park in Mickey's Toontown, this time directly in front of the Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin attraction. Um, I had a chance to talk to my good friend, Scott Goosen. He told me that essentially the same story, they're kind of making some improvements and uh, some fixes that are needed to be done in these park spaces around these newly planted trees, uh, as far as ground leveling and other things that need to get put in that weren't put in before. And we're going to see these changes happen in Mickey's Toontown through the month of July, maybe mid to end July um, for these changes. So right now we have the walls over by Roger Rabbit's Cartoon Spin. So that park's currently unavailable as they fix the ground there. And then we're going to see the walls pop up at that new park right in front of Mickey and Minnie's house in um, at the back there of Mickey's Toontown. So that'll be the next one. In fact, if you're going there or were just there when you're listening to this podcast episode, you probably already saw benches completely covering most of the space around all the trees in that park by Mickey and Minnie's house at the back of Toontown. Uh, That was sort of their way, again, of preventing people from getting into that space where um, the ground was starting to level a little bit in different spaces and um, changed grade. So they're going to um, be working on that area next, but they're going to be doing it in sections so it doesn't impact too much of Mickey's Toontown because that area is still high traffic and a big draw. 
Another rumor, though, I wanted to talk about, and this was purely speculative, but it sounds like Disney's also maybe thinking about changing some of the fake turf that they're using in Mickey's Toontown. Maybe it wasn't living up to how they expected it to hold up for the durability. And also some of the spaces that they have in Toontown that have that fake grass on it really just received a lot more traffic than they had anticipated. Um, more importantly, or more specifically, rather, the grass and turf on the left side of the fountain. Um, I, I figured they probably expected a lot of guests to follow, sort of follow the Toon Road that wraps around the fountain on the Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway side and Daisy's Diner side. But that side can get a little bit impacted by not only the attraction, but the cafe. So a lot of guests take the path of less resistance on the left side of the fountain where the grass is, but that has caused consistent traffic to constantly go over and over and over again on a fake AstroTurf, which is really not stood up to the test of time, the short amount of time it's had. So rumor has it they're picking out a different one, maybe going to be putting up a new one soon. So we might see walls temporarily in those locations. As far as other things in Mickey's Toontown, we still haven't seen the splash area around Donald's boat come to life ever since Mickey's Toontown opened. The Casimir Sage still not ready yet, and we don't know when it's going to be ready. Now, fast or rewind back to when Mickey's Toontown first opened, and the cast members and other kind of you know, uh, Imagineers that were walking around in the space had mentioned that they were shooting for a May opening. We're already in the month of June. We still haven't seen that area open. Um, we're definitely getting closer now to the hotter times. We're supposed to be having a lot of hotter days this week and next week. Uh, so, you know, the water splash area is going to be one of the only ways guests can cool off in Disneyland now that Splash Mountain's closed. So I really hope they can get that area fixed. Um, so, you know, kids have a lot of places to play and cool off, not only in the fountain, but in this area around Donald's boat. Now on my visit to the design resort, I started to head over to Splash Mountain, but on my way, I actually stopped by New Orleans Square to check out the progress on Tiana's by or Tiana's Palace restaurant, excuse me. And things were looking really good. They actually had most of the restaurant um, completely uncovered on the Disneyland Railroad side of New Orleans Square. And you could really see that new color scheme, the brick facade, and really just the whole theme of Tiana's Palace restaurant coming together. This restaurant is supposed to open this year, and from what I can see on the outside, it looks like things are moving pretty quickly. Now, I don't know how much progress has been done on the patio. There might be a lot of work left there, or what the inside looks like, right? But um, I'm guessing that, you know, we'll probably see it sooner rather than later in the year. Um, potentially even maybe a late summer, early fall opening for the restaurant. It'd be really awesome to get that storyline started for Tiana's Bayou Adventure and really kind of teeing it up to tell the story, the complete story of the attraction, which not only includes Tiana's Palace Restaurant, Tiana's Bayou Adventure, but Eudora's Chic Boutique in New Orleans Square. Those three places really bring to life the Tiana storyline in Disneyland, and they all play a real integral part um, as we've learned from Walt Disney Imagineering as more and more time has gone forward and they share more details about the ride, etc. We got a little bit of sneak peek of some of this at the D23 Expo, uh, but it's really cool to see the progress on this, and um, I think... It's going to be a really, really good restaurant, and it's going to be a big fan favorite for a lot of people. It's sort of like a quasi-character dining restaurant, right? Because Tiana is going to be walking around um, and greeting guests. I don't know if 
around the lower level or if she's just going to be on the upper balcony above kind of waving to guests below but either way it's still sort of a character interaction experience sort of like daisy when she was walking around her diner or cafe over in toontown um so what do you think about that are you guys excited for tiana's bayou adventure let me know i think it's going to be a super awesome attraction and the restaurant tiana's palace restaurant i'm looking forward to that the most because i want to see how creative disney gets with that menu uh because i feel like tiana's palace restaurant is something like everyone wanted to see brought to life from the movie right it was like the culmination of all of tiana's efforts in the movie were to open this restaurant and the restaurant just looked so perfectly like it would fit in disneyland and for so many years people wanted this restaurant to come to life and they're finally doing it um maybe not in the way everyone had imagined but i still think it's gonna be really cool and i can't wait to try it out now continuing my way through disneyland like i mentioned over to tiana's bayou adventure aka the former Splash Mountain location. I wanted to see what that progress looked like. I hadn't seen it since the literal last day of the attraction being open. Um, so a lot had actually changed from when I had been. I'd seen some you know, videos on Mondo's YouTube channel and other things about the attraction and how much was already under construction, but I wanted to see it for myself. And um, seeing it in person, so many things have already changed as far as the drop. They've constructed and erected scaffolding all throughout the drop in the bottom area. They've got walls all around the attraction that say Tiana's food and really harken back to, um, you know, setting the storyline of the attraction, right? It's turning into... Um, a southern salt dome. So, you know, the old uh, salt mines in the south in Louisiana and Texas, a lot of times it was um, it was around and near a salt dome uh, that would naturally form in the environment. So the storyline of uh, Tiana's Bayou Adventure is that uh, Tiana purchases an abandoned salt mine um, as far as uh, as her business continues to grow with Tiana's food. So Tiana's Palace Restaurant from the movie um, turned and, you know, flourished and turned into a thriving business called Tiana's Foods. So she's kind of looking for her headquarters for that location. Um, and this abandoned salt mine was going to be it for her distribution of her big business. And um, that's sort of why we're there at that location. So it's no longer a mountain, but it's now a salt dome. And you can see the theming kind of spread into um, the walls that surround the attraction. Some might find it a little bit confusing maybe because the signs say Tiana's Foods coming soon. So it makes you think that like, there's a restaurant coming if you don't know the storyline. Um, but Disney shared with us so many times kind of what the storyline was, not only at D23 Expo, but so many posts on Disney Parks blog. Um, and more importantly, the walls themselves, um, you know, underneath the signs and around the signs are made from boxes that were from that abandoned salt mine. They say Southern Dome Salt Company on them. Please keep dry. Obviously, you want to keep salt dry. Um, and then they say Louisiana. So really kind of sets that theme, sets the tone in place for, you know, when Tiana's Palace Restaurant opens. It's going to, um, you know, they're probably going to talk about that storyline more and more as we get a little bit closer and things open up. Um, but the walls kind of stretch all the way around the attraction from the Haunted Mansion side around the front 
all the way to part of Pooh Corner. So that, that actually back entrance of Pooh Corner that's closest to Splash Mountain, that whole section is walled off. The store does remain open, um, as well as the character meet and greets for the Winnie the Pooh characters just outside the attraction. But that back door of the store is now closed. And that makes sense because it lines up perfectly right there with the backstage entrance uh, into Disneyland. So they can probably just leave those gates open as they need to move equipment in and out and work on the attraction, right? They're going to be essentially gutting the attraction for the most part. They're going to be taking out some pretty large set pieces. So they need to have that big alleyway right there as they <laughs> empty the attraction out Um you know, into those spaces there. So they're going to need to move equipment in there, probably some some big trucks to kind of haul things away. So it makes sense. Um, but the attractions all remain open down there. Winnie the, many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, Pooh Corner and the candy, the Honey Spot candy space at the back there, um, the character meet and greets. The only things that are closed is the attraction itself, the, the Photoshop with the attraction, which wasn't really open anyway. Um, and then, of course, uh, some of the walkways are a little bit more narrow back there. And on the day when I was visiting over the weekend, they still had the penny press machine. And Disney World did this, too, for a few weeks after Splash Mountain closed. They kept it up so that guests could get their final mementos of the attraction before they took it away. So at the time of recording this podcast, the penny press was still up over at the uh, Winnie the Pooh corner store. Um, right next to the 100 Acre Wood Penny Press for Winnie the Pooh character. So if you are a Penny Press collector at Disneyland and you haven't had a chance to get those or you saw that big line for the Penny Press on the final day of the attraction, um, the Penny Press was still up and it might be moving forward, but we don't know for how long. So I would imagine do it sooner rather than later if you hadn't done it yet. Um, but you know, the construction on this is going to move quickly. I would imagine over at Walt Disney world, when I had a chance to visit there, they actually had removed that iconic mountain treetop part of splash mountain pretty quickly to level it off as it becomes a Southern salt dome and moves into that theme. So, uh, with all the scaffolding being erected on the outside of splash mountain, it seems like they're um, moving pretty quickly to do the same thing. And they're doing both attractions at the same time and opening them supposedly at the same time too. So, um, you know, they got a little bit of a head start, but we have to remember Disney World Splash Mountain was a lot longer of an attraction and a little bit more bigger in scale. So there's probably more work to be done there than there was on ours. Um, but either way, still a daunting project with the amount of time they have left since it's opening in late 2024. Not that far off. Headed out of the theme parks now over to downtown Disney, we officially had the grand reopening of the Jazz Kitchen, Coastal Grill, and Patio in downtown Disney. Now, the restaurant remained open for the most part during its entire renovation, but they had a little bit of a media event over this past week, um, invited some media guests out to have their official grand opening of not only the Jazz Kitchen, Coastal Grill, and Patio, but of course the Beignets Express location, which now more importantly, just focuses on like coffee and beignets. Now, the reviews have been kind of mixed for this location. Some people really loving it. Some people really not liking it and missing what the Jazz Kitchen used to be. Uh, you can either love or hate the new design. I think um, the color scheme maybe is not my choice, right? The the neon pink and orange. But uh, some of the, the other details and artwork inside really bring 
the restaurant sort of a new vibe and and really does bring that kind of more modern upscale theme that Disney was really going for with the renovation of um, downtown Disney and some of the other new things we're seeing soon. Now, I was told this is totally speculative and a rumor and not confirmed in any way. So I just want to put that disclosure out there. But I had been told that potentially Jazz Kitchen had to lose its more New Orleans theming um, to moder- to more modernize and fit with the downtown Disney re-theme, but also because Tiana's Palace restaurant was coming and it would be too close of a theme and style of food. So Disney would had asked that they had make those changes. Um, so I'm not sure if there's any truth to that at all, but I figured I'd share it with you guys because that was an interesting theory slash speculation on maybe why it had to make a change. Um, but either way, um, I know my friends, Ordinary Adventures, Peter and Kitra, they put out a video, um, they were able to go to the restaurant, um, kind of in its grand reopening this last week and try a lot of the menu items, including some drinks too. So go check that out. I think their overall, um, kind of opinions on it were pretty positive. So check that out. They'll showcase a lot, um, and let you know also the beignets, they tried the beignets too. So uh, there's a lot of cool, fun beignets they're going to have in addition to just your traditional beignets. Um, but in addition to that, we also got a strange other new news from um, the Splitsville location in downtown Disney. They actually announced a new little summer addition to that weird space, that f- sort of awkward space in between Tortilla Joe's and the um, Splitsville location. And they called it The Alley. And I'll read to you exactly what it says um, on the Disney Parks blog post for um, the alley location coming soon next to Splitsville. It says, The courtyard next to Splitsville Luxury Lanes is being transformed into an exciting space. The alley, with interactive games, live music, lounge areas, and seats for dining. This summer, you can relax, play games, and create memories in this fun new spot, and enjoy all the delicious food and offerings from Splitsville. So, I thought this was sort of a strange move. I feel like um, Splitsville is probably one of the least popular locations in downtown Disney, um, and it seems weird that they would need to expand um, into... Um, you know, the alley space in between both Tortilla Joe's and Splitsville. In fact, um, a lot of times, actually, Black Tap Burgers was actually using some of the Splitsville dining space on the outside for their guests in some sort of an agreement or an arrangement um, because they needed the additional dining space since they don't have as much as they need sometimes. So um, interesting to see what they offer here. This sounded a little odd to me. This also could be to the fact that we have heard a lot of rumors, of course, that Tortilla Joe's restaurant would be closing this summer. Now, we don't know when this summer it would be closing, but it would make sense to really bring life to that area and draw people in since we might see some big construction walls get put up around the restaurant as um, there's probably going to be some major deconstruction at this location if it does end up closing that might make it look like Splitsville is closed um, because it is kind of tucked back there a little bit. So having some sort of nightlife lit up, you know, alleyway in between the construction walls and the Splitsville location would really draw guests in and bring them to the restaurant and might be just what they wanted and what Disney wants to make sure that they're getting back there and visiting and spending money, more importantly, at Splitsville Luxury Lanes. Um, 
So we'll have to see how this one, of course, unfolds. Uh, it was interesting. It definitely was all everyone could talk about that day when it was announced on Twitter uh, because of the funny name and just like the weird location for it. But when you think about it in the space of maybe Tortilla Joe's is closing and there's going to be some big construction walls there, it might actually make a little bit of sense, right? They might have some walls to interact with, with some games and stuff like that, that we just don't know about. Again, we don't even know if Tortilla Joe's is closing. We've kind of all just come to that look, um, conclusion since the new Paseo restaurant and the new Centrico bar are owned by the same company. They're also Mexican-themed. doesn't make sense for them to be right next to Tortilla Joe's. And um, the, the employees that work at Tortilla Joe's had also been telling guests that it was going to close as well, too, in the summer. So... This whole space is going to be moving forward. Disneyland president Ken Potrock actually mentioned that all of the changes will be taking place in downtown Disney over the next 18 months. So there's a lot still happening here. We still have, um, at some point, the need for Earl of Sandwich to again close um, so that they can deconstruct that building and make way for the brand new um, Portos Bakery that's going there with a new rebuilt location, as well as the southern end, or I guess, uh, western end of downtown Disney. Um, or maybe it's the east end. I don't even know. But the end closest to the Disneyland Hotel um, that's, you know, been sitting as a dirt pit for a while. They're moving really fast on this, bringing it up. In fact, it's why we talked about on the last episode that potentially the Disneyland monorail is closing because this space is very close to the monorail and it's getting vertical real fast. So they might be bringing in some equipment here that necessitates the need for them to, you know, close the monorail um, and uh, not have, you know, whatever equipment is being brought in there so close to the attraction moving by and kind of clearances and all that stuff. So We'll continue to eye, keep an eye on this location as it continues to evolve. Um, lots of changes so far. Um, and uh, looking forward to actually trying the Jazz Kitchen myself. Um, I think the menu looks pretty good, and I'm interested in actually trying it and seeing what it's like. Um, and also, I've actually, believe it or not, never had the beignets from there. I know a lot of people love it, um, but I want to try those too. So that'll definitely be on the agenda um, the next time I'm able to visit Disneyland Resort. I'm going to go to Beignets Express for sure and hopefully have a chance to do the restaurant at some point really soon. Lastly, I wanted to talk about something that Disney was teasing um, as they were conducting some play tests inside Disney California Adventure Park for a baby Groot robot animatronic that we saw first debuted at one of the tech conferences, I think, that Disney was showcasing. It was a baby Groot that could free walk on stage, dance, and interact with the other human actors on stage with it. Uh, and they were doing some play tests inside Disney California Adventure Park, actually inside the Disney Junior um, dance show building. Um, so they were bringing guests, um, you know, invited guests in uh, group by group and allowing them to, um, you know, see and experience Baby Groot dancing on stage and alongside Star-Lord um, with their kind of Guardians dance-off. Um, now, Scott Goosen did actually um, show some videos of this on his Twitter account, so you can go ahead and pull that up if you want to see what it looks like if you haven't seen it yet. But more importantly, he was given a statement from Disney, and they said um, that even though um, there was, you know, some 
some playtesting happening inside Disney California Adventure Park that there are currently no immediate plans for use inside Disney theme parks with this specific animatronic. However, um, a prototype was being used to test unique traits, gates, which is how it walks, and capabilities. So um, no immediate plans to just have this pop into like the, the dance-off that they do over in front of the Guardians of the Galaxy attraction. So we saw a lot of speculation swirling about that. Um, but this was just really a play test, a way for our Imagineers to see kind of how crowds would react, how kids would react, how the robot performed, um, you know, in like a show sort of environment. Um, and that's really all it was. There's no immediate plans, but somehow, you know, Disney could turn that statement into, hey, it's coming out next week. But, in, you know, in that immediate time of being asked, they did not have any plans. So they just weren't ready to share it at that point. But now we don't have any... Um, Anything new coming to the the you know Avengers Campus area in regards to this Baby Groot animatronic, but still cool nonetheless to see all the people that got to experience it, um, and those fortunate enough to be pulled in there to see it in person. And then of course, also in Disney California Adventure Park, Rogers the Musical is going to be taking place um, at the end of June this month. June thirtieth is going to be the grand opening day of that new musical in the Hyperion Theater at Disney California Adventure Park. Now, cast member previews, I believe, start on the 27th and the 28th, and then also the 29th, but it's also simultaneously a media day that day. So we could see some reviews and um, opinions on the show as early as the 27th. Um, So if you want to avoid any spoilers for some of the new scenes in the show, you might want to avoid Twitter or Instagram on those days um, if you're planning on seeing the show on opening day on the 30th. So it is going to be debuting that weekend, I guess. It's it's sort of kind of the weekend of 4th of July because 4th of July is on Tuesday. So most people are probably going to be celebrating that weekend and then probably doing an observed holiday on Monday if they're getting time off work, etc. So um, 30th of June is going to be when the show debuts. And I think cast member previews start on the 27th. So expect to see some opinions on that. And again, we kind of all know what we're getting into with this one. A little bit of um, comedy, a little bit of parody, making fun of itself. If you've seen the Disney Plus series on Hawkeye, you know what it's all about. Um, a lot of the songs from that um, musical that's in the series and also some additional Um, original songs created just for the musical inside Disney California Adventure Park, but they got the signage all up on the marquee and everything, and they're ready to go for the show. Um, I'm excited to see it for my first time. I think it's going to be a pretty big hit at Disney California Adventure Park, especially with a lot of Marvel fans that have been following along all the Disney Plus shows. Um, So make sure you add that to your agenda if you're going to the parks that weekend and have a planned visit to Disney California Adventure. Um, Make it something that you do. Now, as far as Frozen... The, the old musical that used to be in this theater, it had around four to five shows per day. So I know a lot of people were asking me, hey, how many show times do you think this might have? I would imagine it's probably pretty similar. Um, it's going to be a, a similar um, showtime run, like runtime, I guess you could say. So um, we can probably get four or five shows unless Disney's going to be pushing this one a little bit longer in anticipation of some more crowds and giving us like some more shows later in the evening. Um, But it seems like, you know, before they kind of started just before noon and then went all the way until like 5 p.m. 
um, and there was uh, different shows throughout the time. So we can probably expect something similar, I would say. So just to be on the safe, safe side, that's what you can uh, expect to run into. But that wraps up this episode of the 5571. Uh, let me know what you think about the new format. If you liked kind of going through all the updates as they're happening live and how I saw them over the weekend. And if you want more of a visual representation of kind of what you heard today on the podcast, you can head on over to my YouTube channel. Just ask Danny to see a lot of this stuff in person that I was able to see um, over in the theme parks over the weekend. And then additionally, I was able to visit, of course, Splash Mountain on its final day of operation. So on my update on the channel. I actually threw in a little mini vlog at the end of it from my experience at Splash Mountain on its final night. Um, since I felt like it was kind of too small to make its own video, so I kind of tacked it onto an update video as a secondary one. But thank you again for listening to this episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube Music, it's all the same. Make sure you're subscribed to The 5571 so you can be notified of new episodes dropping every Tuesday at 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time up there early so that you can have it for your commutes to work. If those of you who are still commuting to work like myself. Uh, and we'll be coming to you next week as well on Tuesday. Now, I'm not going to have an opportunity to actually go to the parks over the weekend um, next weekend as I'm going to be going out of town to visit family. However, um, I'll definitely still be doing the podcast on Tuesday morning, um, and we're going to be talking about all the latest Disney news and, of course, whatever else may be coming up that day that we've been given. And at that point, we'll know exactly what those Christmas updates were, right? We're going to be hearing all that. So thanks again so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.